Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So has all the talk about coronavirus made you nervous about traveling? Well, in a few moments, we're going to chat about the effect the COVID-19 outbreak has had on the travel industry. And it's not all doom and gloom as the Rocky Mountaineer is celebrating 30 years this year. So a little bit later in the podcast, we'll chat about the past and what it's like to be a guest on board the Rocky Mountaineer these days. And I've had the pleasure of being a guest on board, and it is a fabulous trip, I must say. Also, travel writer Paula Worthington will join us to share her latest visit to Baja, Mexico, and her latest blog, Glamping in the Baja. But to start things out, as I mentioned, we're going to try and ease your concerns about traveling. While this coronavirus is affecting many industry policies and procedures, to help us out, I've invited our resident travel agent, Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions. And Ken joins us now. I'm going to start with this. Uh, ACTA came out with a, a survey. ACTA is the Association of Canadian Travel Agencies. Uh, they said uh, some of the stats they had with their agents uh, across Canada saying 56% of agents reported clients were looking for reassurance about whether to travel. 27% reported clients wanted to cancel and 17% uh, reported uh, they wanted to postpone or change the date or destination. Uh, does that fall in line with some of the things you're seeing with people uh, you deal with? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's fairly accurate. And, and again, reassurance is probably the biggest one out there. And again, keep in mind, uh, you know, we're humans and, tra- and, and being travel agents, we're going to give you the, the best advice that we can. But, uh, you know, the client also has to do a little bit of due diligence and making sure. And, you know, what we advise all our clients is to, to check the different websites for the areas that you might be traveling to. A uh, perfect example is we had a client who's going to Tahiti for a uh, three, four-day stay and then jumping on an Oceana cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, he was totally fine, did not need any certificates or anything to go to there. Uh, Oceana is uh, checking passports uh, physically before you get on board just to make sure you don't have any stamps from anywhere that's in one of their 19 listed countries. Uh, yesterday, that all changed. Uh, Tahiti Tourism came out with a, a notice that anybody coming into Tahiti, including flight personnel on the airlines, require a certificate from a doctor within five days of that arrival date. Wow. To be within, allowed entry into the country. Within five days. And if they start something like that, chances are <laughs> other tour operators are going to do something similar, other countries, uh, regarding entry into their country. So now you're going to get people going to their doctors <laughs> to get a certificate within five days yeah, before again, they leave. And again, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit uh, of a... Uh, n- you you just don't know, but to, to keep up to date, you should always be checking. And, and you know, we do our best for our clients and everything as well too. And this is uh, Gary, for example, had clients that were over in uh, uh, Taiwan, mm-hmm. Mr. And Asia, they were coming yeah. back and, and doing a, a cruise. Not one of the countries that have it, but they uh, were notified by the cruise line. Uh, that they had to have a minimum of 14 days in between travel days. So we had to bring them back a day early hmm. just so they would fall within that criteria. And again, everything changes, seems to be changing day by day. It's tough to figure out we're there to assist and do our best in everything as well. Um, but it, it just it seems to keep changing and, you know, you really have to kind of weed through everything and, and be specific about what it is that you're looking at and, and how it is going to pertain to you and to your travel. Well, it's ex- I know I'm going on a cruise here over in Europe here in two weeks and so far it's still a go. Now that said, uh, Virtuoso is a huge uh, consortium. We're doing their uh, 
national or worldwide tour, I guess mm-hmm. you would call it, over in Europe, and they've canceled it. And we're hearing that on several, you know, other other different things. Even in Canada here, one of our major suppliers does a roadshow. Uh, they've canceled it. Mm-hmm. And again, so again, you know, we don't understand the real reasons that they're canceling, other than being cautious, which we appreciate and totally understand. But, you know, a lot of people are saying everything's still a go. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you had the uh, big uh, travel conference in Berlin cancelled. I think that's what woke up uh, the whole travel industry because there were tens of thousands of delegates to go there uh, from around the world. That got cancelled yeah. and that kind of just yeah. woke everybody up and went, wow, if that's being cancelled. And that got cancelled just a couple weeks out of when it was supposed to happen. Uh, yeah. So now, uh, yeah. but the, the, the thing, the issue I have with that is how far are you going to go in cancelling things, right? Uh, you've got the Calgary Stampede, uh, you've got Banff, they have a huge uh, influx of tourists from China and Japan. How is that going to affect their summer uh, bookings? So uh, everything's up in the air, like you say, right? Exactly. And we're getting uh, daily, we get uh, uh, issues, uh, emails, uh, updates uh, from different suppliers with regards to the Asia product we sell, as, as well as, like you say, uh, a lot of hotels, like we came uh, Hilton. Uh, came out yesterday. Uh, any Hilton hotel booked in the U.S. or whatever, you have the free ability to change any reservation, even if it's kind of like they're one of their non-refundables and things like that. Mm-hmm. So again, things change, seem to change day by day. And, and again, we're here to help our clients, uh, you know, figure out the the best scenarios and, and give the best advice that we can. And and being a client or being a person who's traveling, do your own due diligence. And just make sure you check out the, the sites for the, for the areas and everything you're going to so that you're getting as much accurate information as you can. From what you've heard as far as uh, travel insurance uh, from the health side, is there any other extra things that uh, have to be done in order for you to qualify for that if you're traveling now? Well, the coronavirus has become, uh, again, it's a travel advisory on uh, the, the Canadian government site uh, for most of the areas. And we actually had a uh, letter came out that effective. Uh, March the 5th, it was going to be a kind of like a pre-existing condition. Anything Mm. related to the coronavirus would no longer be covered for new policies issued. Uh, I do have clients that have, uh, you know, traveling to Disneyland coming up. Uh, uh, The friend I mentioned doing the Oceana Cruise. We've got all all kinds of different people traveling who had purchased insurance prior when they began their trip. And again, Mm. we always say that 72-hour window. Yes. You want to get your insurance in place. They will be covered for the coronavirus. Uh, because it was not had started yet, and some of them, like I say, it wasn't a uh, travel advisory or anything like that. It was just kind of starting. So, again, but anybody in there, unfortunately, no, you had you're, you're not covered. But again, the policies that we cover, uh, and there are a few out there, whatever, have a cancel for any reason. So you can get, depending on the policy, either 75 or 50 percent of your you know investment back, which mm-hmm. is, is is better than nothing. True. Uh, good advice. Always a pleasure to chat. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Randy. So every once in a while, we have the pleasure of chatting with travel writer Paula Worthington, who is always visiting interesting places. And Paula recently traveled to Baja, Mexico and wrote about it in her latest blog, Glamping in the Baja. You can find it on her website, wanderswild.com. And Paula is here now to share her experience. Hi, Paula. Hi there. Uh, Tell us where you were. I was back in the Baja, uh, Mexico, Mm -hmm. which is most people know and have visited 
uh, Cabo San Lucas. Yeah. But I flew into that airport and made my way up the coast a little bit and zigzagged between La Paz, Toto Santos, and got to do some glamping uh, in the Sierra La Laguna Mountains. Well, glamping is my kind of camping, if it's the same kind of stuff that uh, I think of when I think of glamping, meaning most people, uh, other people do all the work and you just kind of sit back and relax. Is that what happened? <laughs> that is pretty much what happens. It's, it's great because you do get that camping experience. Um, the, so for people who may not have done this before and maybe they say, I don't want to camp because how do you bring up all your gear down? You don't need to bring all of your gear. Um, so the camp is called Camp Cecile de la Sierra, and there's a Camp Cecile on Espiritu Island, which is right near La Paz, and they've just opened this one, which is up in the mountains. You often drive by these beautiful mountains if you're heading up the Baja, um, and it looks like nobody lives there, and for the most part, that's the case, but there are ranchers there. So this camp is located on a ranch, a, a working ranch, where you get to spend some time with the rancher and learn about um, their way of life and lifestyle, and you can do some hiking. But the the accommodations itself are very beautifully well appointed tents. Um, you have, you know, it's 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 pit toilets, and there is a shower hut where you can get a hot shower. But it's very very comfortable. Um, you know, when you're inside the tent, you almost feel like you're in a hotel room. Your meals are prepared for you under a kind of open air palapa kitchen, and you can actually get involved and learn how to make tortillas and jump in and help out and and uh, learn some of the traditional foods that are served in the area. Nice. See, that's my kind of uh, camping. <laughs> People do all the work. Uh, so what was the overall experience for you? You've been to that area before, right? I've been to that area, and obviously it's interesting because La Paz is on the Sea of Cortez side, which is very calm water. Um, so that's where you can go and do things like stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking and swimming with whale sharks and that type of thing. Um, beautiful, you know, Jacques Cousteau calls it the aquarium of the world. And, uh, and again, great landscapes. The Pacific side, and again, people think of the Baja. It's only about 50 kilometers wide. They think about oceans. The Pacific side, um, in the Toto Santos area, there's great, again, whale watching basically from your hotel room. You could see the whales coming up about every 30 seconds. And then in between the two, you've got this mountain environment, and the mountains there go up about 6,500 feet. So they're, they're a decent size. It's a totally different ecosystem. Um, you can go for hikes. You spend time with a guide. You can learn about some of the local um, medicinal herbs and plants and things that grow in the mountains naturally. And this camp itself is, is becoming, uh, you know, a really popular place for people where they might go to Ila Espiritu and have the kayaking and glamping experience on that island and then come inland and have a mountain experience where you get to meet firsthand um, the rancher whose land you're on. His name is Cheeto, and he's a total character. Mm-hmm. And he actually brought us in, and we learned to do some traditional leather work. And you can ask him all kinds of questions about what it's like to to raise cattle in that area. And his him and his family have been um, have been there for decades and decades. So they they know the area really well, and um, and uh, take you out. And, and you know, we we climbed up way high. Uh, one day doing a hike, and you could see the Pacific Ocean, and it just provides a totally different perspective on the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's uh, totally different from uh, your regular beach vacation, as you're saying. Uh, so how how many people can it accommodate uh, all at once if it was full, the, the, the campsite? It's, it's still quite 
quite small. I think they're going to be adding tents, but there's just four tents right now. Um, so it's a very small group experience. And, you know, it's great if you do want to have something different from a beach trip. Obviously, as Canadians, especially in the winter, we do want to get our beach time in. Mm. But to go up there for two or three nights um, and really, you know, you're in the tent, you hear the the frogs at night. I heard a coyote howling one night. Like, it's a really... Um, really unique experience and there's no cell phone service there so as you drive up the road with your guide you you disconnect um, which is really important you know there's rocking chairs in front of the tents and um, you can go and look at the they're creating a beautiful organic garden there that's going to help create produce for for all their camps that Toto Santos Eco Adventures has and it really lets you just be in the moment and uh, and catch your breath and then you can head back down and spend a few more days on the beach and get mm-hmm. your there. Well, I have to ask, when you're camping, uh, certainly here in Western Canada, insects are, <laughs> are a fact of life, mosquitoes. Any of those problems while you're glamping there? No, not. I actually think um, I've probably had worse mosquito bites here in Alberta in August. So it wasn't an issue at all. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're out hiking and walking, um, having a pair of, of long pants mm-hmm. uh, is a good idea to have, more so because there's a lot of, you know, cactus and spiky things that you could brush up against as you walk by. Um, but, um, but, yeah, have a good pair of, of running shoes so that you can do some hiking around and a pair of long pants and, and you know, maybe a long sleeve shirt for the evenings. But there, there really wasn't much in terms of insects there. So that if, that, if that bothers you, you don't have to panic and, uh, and know that you'll have a really great experience. Good to know. Now, is this a part of, can you do this part of a, a full package deal or how would you go about booking something like this? Yeah, you can for sure. So the the company is called Toto Santos Eco Adventures, and they, like I said, they run um, they run a camp on an island adventure, if you will, just off of La Paz. So they are getting a lot of groups that want to do both. They do the mountain and they do the La Paz experience, and then they also operate a hotel called Los Colibris, which is in Toto Santos, and those um, they're kind of casita style, and they overlook the Pacific Ocean. So it's really easy to work with them, and you can you can kind of build build your own adventure, which, as you know, I love to do, and have it as a Pacific Ocean, La Paz, and mountain adventure that you could fit into a one-week trip. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now tell me some of the highlights personally for you that you enjoyed. Well, I, I, lo- I mean, I love getting a little bit of sunshine in, in February. I think for me, some of the highlights were, were the views of, of getting up and hiking in the mountains. And, you know, I'm always uh, being, being here in Alberta, I'm always comparing with mountains in different parts of the world. So it was just unique to see the different plants and, and cactus and um, birds and wildlife there. Um, right now, the whales off the Pacific side are incredible. You can sit at the hilltop and you could see... Um, whales coming up every 30 to 45 seconds. Wow. Um, so they're sometimes multiple at any given time. So that's a great way to spend a couple of hours is, is just um, walking the beach and, and watching the whales pop up along the way. And this particular trip, I also uh, went back and, and swam with the whale sharks on the La Paz side. And, um, you know, the, the way they've done it there from a conservation perspective, they've put in a lot of different regulations. So, you know, where we were, we were the only boat that you could see. There were three people on the boat and, and we got some incredible time with these uh, gentle giants in the sea. So every day was a good adventure. It's one of those you come home from vacation and feel like you need a vacation. Um, <laughs> but um, but just, you know, really friendly people 
great fresh food and uh, and really for me perfect weather it was in that 26 27 degree range mm-hmm. um, where you're really comfortable and it cools down at night in the Baja so you get to enjoy the sunshine during the day and you don't have to crank the air conditioning at night mm-hmm. well just getting back to the glamping experience now you mentioned that you know everything's provided for you but what do you take with you um, so things to have on hand, just as I mentioned, long pants, uh, some, some good walking shoes. Um, I, they give you a lantern. I had a headlamp with me, which is just, just handy kind of if you're out walking between the, the tent and the kitchen in the evening. Um, other than that, really everything else is there for you. Um, they, they have snacks, they have fresh juices. Uh, like I said, you can get hands-on in the kitchen and learn how to make some things. Three meals a day. Uh, there's hammocks if you need to have a little siesta in the afternoon. So, again, just sort of your typical um, weather weather wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have sunshine every day, but maybe bring a sweater in the evening. Um, some flip-flops are handy just to have around camp. But other than that, they take really good care of you. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you can find the story on wanderswild.com. Paula Worthington, travel writer and blogger. Always a pleasure to chat with you, uh, Paula. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, the Rocky Mountaineer is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, which is quite a milestone. So joining us now to talk about the past and what it's like to be a guest on board these days is Steve Stamet. He's the president and CEO of the Rocky Mountaineer. The website is RockyMountaineer.com. Hi, Steve. Hey, Randy. Well, congratulations on 30 years. Let's start right there. Uh, take me take me back to that first voyage. I can't imagine you were on it, but <laughs> tell me, yeah, tell me what it was. No, it's, it, it's hard to believe it has been 30 years uh, since our, our founder, um, uh, Peter Armstrong, actually started this business and, and ran our first season. And, you know, that season we looked back and had only 7,000 guests traveling on the train. And, you know, you fast forward today and we're, we bring about 100,000 plus guests through the uh, Rockies on three different routes. And, and, uh, on board a fleet that is very different from what Peter first started out with, so it's uh, it's very exciting for us. Mm-hmm. Well, what was that uh, first route? Do you remember? Do you recall? Do you know? Yeah, the first one. Well, the very first trip they ran was actually into Jasper, so it was. Uh, we still run that route today, so it's basically called Journey Through the Clouds. Um, you run. Uh, it's a two-day trip. You start in Vancouver or end in Vancouver, overnight in Kamloops, and then continue on to Jasper. So. Uh, that was the very first trip. They basically, they actually ran through, if I recall correctly, to Edmonton. So it was, uh, it was. Uh, we don't go to Edmonton now, but that mm-hmm. was how that first trip ran. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of milestones. Is there any highlights uh, over those 30 years? Oh, there, there's have been many. I mean, I, you know, looking back just on guest counts, you know, I, we, we took us about 18 years to get to our first million guests, and then, uh, you know, not too long after that, basically a few years ago, we got to over two million guests. So we've carried a lot of people from around the world through the Rockies. We're really proud of that. I mean, again, I, I referred to those rail cars. And, uh, you know, looking back when, when Peter f- first started this business, uh, the coaches were these old 1950s, um, you know, small windows. Now you look, we have an all-dome fleet. Um, we've got, you know, the, the, the gold leaf service, which is those bi-level domes with mm-hmm. the great dining rooms downstairs and the seats upstairs and the vestibules on the back. And then even the silver leaf, the single-level stuff is quite nice as well with the 
um, you know, all modernized and, and domes, dome ceilings as well. So, you know, there's been a lot of milestones along the way, but I think those are a couple of things that jumped to mind. The equipment and, and then just, you know, the number of people we've been able to carry and share this experience with. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of technological changes for your guests as well, just how you handle uh, the overall experience, I would imagine, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, you know, I would, I would start by saying actually we're a bit of a throwback, you know, and you really think about what we do. Um, you know, it's an opportunity for people to actually slow down and, and in some ways disconnect from a lot of the noise outside and, and actually reconnect with some of the things that are important, right? So hopefully with the people they're traveling with, but also with all the people around them, you know, with nature, you know, with their senses because they're getting these great meals. I mean, it's just a, an opportunity for connection all around them. And so that's kind of one of the nice things we do. Um, you know, having said that, there's always... Uh, you always want to be keeping up on things and making sure you're keeping up with the things that are necessary. So, for example, this year we are uh, we'll be doing a online check-in for the first time. Um, you know, automatic luggage uh, t- uh, ticketing. You know, various things I guess that that you have to kind of keep up with. But overall, we try to you know keep that to a dull roar and focus on the great experience that. Uh, that comes with going on the Rocky Mountaineer. Mm-hmm. Well, I have had the luxury of being uh, a guest on board the Rocky Mountaineer, and I must say it is a, um, an absolutely amazing experience right from the point where you almost leave your front door until you get back to your front door. You're pretty much taken care of. Yeah, I would have to totally agree with that, Randy. We really, I mean, I'm so proud of all of our team members. You know, I think a lot of people come and they expect to see uh, the scenery and the wildlife, and they expect to have this fantastic equipment and great meals. And that all comes true. We deliver on that. But I think what sets us apart and makes us one of the best guest experiences or tourism products in the world, it's our people. You know, everybody in this company is united by by this desire to to, to really give our guests that incredible experience. And so they work hard, um, you know, to, to, uh, to really achieve that. And I think that's what what uh, makes us so great. And I'm always so proud of our team, the way that they deliver. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things that stand out when I was on it. One, I was scared I would fall asleep because you do get so relaxed and miss it all, uh, which I didn't. <laughs> and the other one was uh, one of your staff members. Uh, I think they were from uh, Scotland. They had a Scottish accent. And I was joking with my wife. I said, uh, here I am, a Canadian, getting a, a lesson on Canadian history from someone from Scotland, which was kind of funny and ironic. But you do learn a lot. Uh, when you're uh, on board. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the experience, right? So our, our hosts are on board not only to to serve you and, and to take care of whatever you need, but they're there to do uh, storytelling as well, right? So they're talking about um, the history and, you know, the nature around you and the wildlife. Um, I mean, all those different things are, are part of the experience. We want you to, to really get a feel for the areas we travel through, and, uh, and understand, you know, uh, what, what's, uh, what, what makes up, um, why it makes such an interesting place to, to, to visit. Mm-hmm. And you do, as you mentioned, get a lot of international guests, which I, I guess only goes to show that, uh, you know, we should be very proud of what we have in our own backyard and explore that a little bit more, right? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, at this point, we probably get uh, 80, you know, over 80% of our guests come from, from outside of Canada. And uh, it's amazing, you know, if I sometimes, uh, I'm heading to Australia in a couple of weeks on a, a business trip and you, you wander the streets there and people ask you what you do and you let them know Rocky Mountaineer and everybody knows us, right? <laughs> everybody has had uh, their, their parents or their uncle or aunt or, you know, themselves they've been on and they really get it. And I, 
I could say the same thing for some of our other, other big markets we're in. And, you know, Canada, I think uh, people know who we are. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to have more Canadians come and, and uh and uh, really experience some of the great things about our own country. And it's true. Uh, well, uh, when you're traveling on the train, you, you kind of, in, in some parts, uh, anyways, the trip that we were on from uh, Vancouver to Banff, uh, you follow the highway a little bit, and then you go off really into the, the heart of the mountains. But uh, again, I, I was thinking in my mind, like people drive this highway a lot, and they probably think, oh, it's probably the same kind of experience. It's not even close, <laughs> right? <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, where the rail lines went first, you know, just keeping in mind that that's what really brought Canada together from from coast to coast. Um, those rail lines got built in in uh, some some very special places, right? And you, and you know this, Randy, because you've been on board. The way that the, the rail lines meander along the rivers and right beside the lakes, and then you know some of the places they go through in the mountains, it really is different. It's a different experience, and you get to see things that you would never get to see from a car. So I would, I would 100% agree. Mm-hmm. On your website, it says two levels of world-class service. Uh, maybe touch on those of what people uh, can uh, look forward to when they, um, when they book a, a trip on the Rocky Mountaineer. Absolutely. I mean, again, I go back to what I said a bit earlier um, when I talked about the fact that they can expect to come and, and see that fantastic scenery. They can come and expect to, you know, see some of the, the wildlife that is indigenous to the area, you know, and then add to that the actual experience on the train um, we take a lot of pride in investing in our equipment. Um, we've not only do we have great equipment that we've we've uh, put into the fleet over the years, we continue to upgrade that. So we're always investing in the upgrade. In fact, we added 10 new Gold Leaf cars uh, over the last year and a half. So at this point, we've got a fleet of 26 of those bi-level Gold Leaf domes um, and 18 Silver Leaf cars. So a, a great big fleet of all domed uh, coaches waiting for people. And then again, I'll go back to it uh, because the thing that they can expect is to have great food, you know, great storytelling, and overall great service from mm-hmm. our, our amazing team. Uh, well, you, want to, you don't even know you're on a train. It's not like the uh, train travel of old days or clickety-clack and you're moving around. You barely even feel it, uh, which is another thing that stands out. Uh, so what's down the road for Rocky Mountaineer now? Well, I think we've got, uh, you know, a, a lot to, of things to, to continue doing here. We we want to keep on sharing this great experience, this great Canadian experience with the world. And uh, we'll get out there and continue to, to grow our brand awareness and, and, you know, make more people aware that we're here and we're, we're ready to welcome them to come and experience this. You know, uh, we're always going to continue to keep an eye on, on that guest experience and make it great. You know, as I always say to the team, the bar is always rising. People's <laughs> expectations go up, and we want to make sure we stay ahead of that. And we're we're always really uh, meeting those, and not just meeting, but beating those expectations of our guests. So we'll continue to to look at creating, uh, you know, making ourselves better and better in all regards, so we, so we can welcome more people. Well, people can find out uh, all the information. Your uh, three unforgettable railroads are on your uh, website. First passage to the west, journey through the clouds and Rainforest to Gold Rush. So website, RockyMountaineer.com. Steve Samet is the president and CEO of the Rocky Mountaineer. Uh, Appreciate your time, Steve. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.